Hey guys, welcome back to Keep Knit OD Podcast and happy Monday. We're taking a little bit of a break from the Day in the Life series this week and we're back with another admissions interview. This one was a highly requested one. I have with me today Caitlin, the Assistant Director of Graduate Admissions at Pacific University. Um, She specifically works with the College of Optometry students. So she works with applicants throughout all the stages of their application. So from when you inquire about the program, um, completing your application and to matriculation into the program. Caitlin can help you answer questions about the program, the prerequisite requirements, and admission standards. She also organizes the interview day and assists enroll students transition smoothly into the program. Caitlin, thank you for being our guest today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to speak with everyone and um, tell you a little bit more about Pacific. All right, so um, we're going to split the episode into two different segments. So the first um, set of questions are going to be admission-related questions, and then we're going to jump right into program-related questions later on in the episode. So the first question here, and this is one that is obviously very frequently asked, which is, what are you looking for in an applicant? So when you get an application through OptomCast, what are some pros and what are some um, cons or deal breakers in an application? Yeah, that's a good question and one that is probably the most common. Um, When we're looking at an application at Pacific, we evaluate applications holistically. So we uh, do not have a GPA minimum or an OAT um, minimum cutoff but we do um, like to see strengths in kind of three different areas. So we separate an application a little bit into three parts. The first one would be your academics. So we're looking at um, your GPAs. We're looking at um, to see if you have all the prerequisite coursework done and then either your OAT or GRE score um, or another exam if you've chosen to take a different one. The next thing that we look for in an application is kind of your passion and knowledge for optometry. Um, As you know, optometry school is, um, you know, four years of uh, time and money that you're investing into the program. So we want to make sure that you know a little bit about optometry and have put some thought into why you want to be an optometrist. And then the last piece that's really important is communication. So um, in the written application, we see that from your essays um, and then the interview for us is pretty important because um, we get to know a bit more about you other than your online application. So we take a bunch of pieces into account when when we're reading your application. As I said, there's no minimum when it comes to GPA or OAT, um, but we do want to make sure that any applicant that we admit, we think will be successful in the program. So we are looking for um, strong academics and um, great letters of recommendation as well. Awesome. So when you say that you're looking for strong academics um, and but you guys don't have a minimum GPA cutoff, does that mean that you look at maybe trends, um, you know, of um, grades? Is that how it kind of works? Yeah, so we definitely look at trends. Um, we understand, especially not everyone will be as successful as they want to in their first year of um, studying at um, university. 
So if we see an upward trend in your grades, that's great. Um, and we also do understand that certain circumstances happen in you know, one semester or another where your grades might drop a bit. But overall, we're looking for um, proven success that you can take you know, a, a fairly average course load of credits or a combination of you know, academic credits plus you know, if you're working 40 hours a week and you're taking 15 credits, that's a lot. If you're working 40 hours a week and taking nine credits, we take that into account. Um, and one of the GPAs we look at is your last 45. So that's your last 45 semester credits, which is around the last year and a half of studying when you apply. Um, and we look at that just to see um, what the trend is compared to your overall GPA. Awesome. And for entrance exams, um, do you accept any or all entrance exams or are there specific ones that you prefer applicants have on their application? Yeah, the most common ones that we see are the OAT and GRE. We don't have a preference between those two exams. Um, we've also accepted the DAT and the MCAT before. If applicants would like to apply with an entrance exam that's not the OAT or GRE, we just ask that um, you email me first and um, just let us know that you would like to apply with one of those scores so that we can make sure we receive your official scores, um, but we don't have a preference. All right, um, so the next question here, can you get an invitation to interview without taking the OAT or with um, low scores. I think you said you don't have a minimum for that, so that could probably be irrelevant. But do you have to have any sort of an entrance exam to get invited, or can you plan on taking it and still get invited? Yeah, so we do require that you've taken at least one entrance exam before you can be invited to interview. Um, we do ask that your application is complete before we invite you. So a complete application will be a verified application in OptumCast, um, the required letters of recommendation, and at least um, the OAT or GRE or another score. Awesome. Do you require any number of hours of shadowing slash working in an optometry setting, or is it just highly recommended? Yeah, we don't require experience. We do recommend at least 10 hours. That's more for the applicant's benefit, really, just so that you can learn more about the profession. We do understand that right now during the pandemic, it's much harder for applicants to um, get experience, either shadowing or working as a tech or something like that. So um, if applicants don't have um, any optometric experience and you know, the circumstances prevent them from doing so. That's okay. We do um, recommend that you at least try to do, you know, an informational interview or chat with an optometrist. And just so that you can get some questions answered about, you know, what a typical day looks like, or, you know, what the best part of their job is, or what are some challenges they face, just so you can learn a little bit more about the profession if you don't have any experience, but it's not required. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so what are the next steps after the application's been verified on OptumCast? Is there supplemental application, any more essays, or what's the next step 
communication wise from um, Pacific? Yeah, good question. So we don't have a supplemental application. The only application is through OptumCast. After an application is complete, uh, we will I will send it off to the admissions committee for review. You applicants usually hear back from us within two weeks, letting them know if they have been invited for an interview or not. So the next step would be an interview. Every year prior to this year, they have been uh, in person on campus and they're on Fridays. So we have about two interviews per month uh, from September to April. And our on-campus interview is pretty much a full day. It's from about 8.30 to 4.30. Um, where you get to observe a class, you tour our IVAN, um, there's a couple of presentations from myself and the Dean, you have lunch with faculty and students and a tour and, and an interview and a student panel. Um, this year, our interviews are online, so we've condensed that a little bit. We don't want uh, applicants to be sitting on Zoom for eight hours. So they're sent some information in advance and then uh, they still have their interview, a student panel and a little wrap-up session and a Q&A with myself. Um, and then after an interview, applicants will receive an admissions decision with us or from us within two weeks. So if, depending on you know, what date you choose for your interview from the time that it's verified and complete to the time that you interview and uh, receive a decision from us, the process can go pretty quickly. Awesome. Um, so the next session, you're going to beat me to it, but we can just go into a little bit more detail about um, preparation for interview day. So you mentioned that used to be a full day experience touring everything with presentations and stuff. Um, so you can, I guess, talk about how they can prepare for it virtually. Um, this cycle and what that looks like um, for applicants? Yeah, good question. And I think that the preparation is fairly similar for the actual interview. Um, the interview itself, the format for us is the same whether you are in person or virtual. So the way that we do our interviews is you're given uh, one hour uh, it's okay if you don't use the full time, but you, you're given an hour if, if you would like to use it. Um, and one applicant will interview at the same time with uh, one faculty member and one student. Um, and our interviews are um, closed file, which means the people who are interviewing you have not seen your application before. They haven't read your essays. They don't know any of your scores. Um, all they know about you is your name. And uh, the, app, the interview, as I said, we give you up to an hour um, and there's usually time for questions at the end. The best way to prepare for an interview in general, I would say is, you know, just to get comfortable speaking about yourself. Um, sometimes that can be the most challenging part is talking um, about yourself. So, um, you've already, applicants have already done a lot of work to get to the point of the interview, and um, we understand that and applaud that and congratulate applicants for even getting to this point so we know you've put in a lot of work. The next step would just be to be comfortable, uh, you know, talking about yourself, answering questions, 
I would, I always suggest practicing with a friend or, you know, someone in a pre-optometry club, if you have one at your school or um, some schools have career centers or, um, you know, interview prep days. And it's always nice to just practice and get some feedback from someone who doesn't, um, you know, know you as well so that they can give you honest feedback. Yeah, absolutely. So for the virtual interview, is it a one-on-one -on -one or is it a group interview setting? So it's the same as uh, in person. So it will be one applicant with a faculty member and a current student in the program. So there'll be three of you in the Zoom room. Um, so it's the one applicant and the faculty member and the student. Awesome. All right, so we are um, moving on to program related questions. So anyone who's listening to this, really thrilled to apply, but they kind of want to know a little bit more about the program. So just by looking at the website, I see that there's various degree options um, under the College of Optometry at Pacific. Is that right? That is right, yes. All right, so did you wanna go ahead and just give us a little brief overview of what each program um, entails and what that process for it, for it looks like? Sure, so the biggest program is the one that we've been talking about, which is the Doctor of Optometry program. Mm -hmm. um, similar to uh, most other schools, our program is a four-year program where your first three, you are on site in Forest Grove and the last year you are um, on your externship rotations. Um, we have other programs that as a doctor of optometry student, you can do concurrently um, with the OD program or other students can do um, these programs independently without doing the, the OD program. So the first one is um, a Master of Science in Vision Science degree. Um, and this is really for students who are interested in research. So you'll do um, research of the visual system, you'll work with a faculty advisor, um, and you will complete um, a thesis during that program. And for these programs, if you would like to do them concurrently with the Doctor of Optometry program, you can uh, start them either in the second semester or the summer in between your first and second years uh, or the first semester of your second year. And you have time to finish these programs before you go to your fourth year externships. So you can do them um, during your second and third year of study at um, Pacific. So that is the Master of Science in Vision Science. The second one we offer is a Master of Education in Visual Function and Learning. So this is a um, program that's kind of done in conjunction with our College of Education. And um, it is for students mostly who want to um, pursue pediatrics or um, are interested in pediatric research. So. Um, students who pursue the MED often work in pediatrics or uh, school districts or as faculty um, in a graduate program. And then the last uh, joint degree that we do offer is a Master of 
business administration. So we do have an MBA program that you can do jointly with the OD program. Um, you, the uh, MBA program is on alternating Friday afternoons and Saturdays. So um, you can do it at the same time. It's a 15 month program. Um, and our students in the OD program, they do have a um, practice management course in their third year, but some students who want to maybe start their own practice um, want to get some more in-depth business knowledge. So those are the programs that uh, we offer at Pacific and that you can do concurrently with the OD program. Awesome. And for um, students who want to do it concurrently with their OD degree, um, does Pacific have a flat fee or do you have to pay for that program um, and take out a loan for that specific program? Yeah, good question. So you do pay extra for the um, additional master's programs. Uh, you don't pay the full master's fee. There is a pretty significant discount if you do it concurrently with the um, OD program. Gotcha. And you said that it's very flexible as to when you decide to start um, that degree, correct? Yeah, so we advise students mostly not to start in their first semester of their first year, just because it's a, you know, it's a fairly big transition to start the OD program. Mm -hmm. uh, so we don't want to, uh, students to feel overwhelmed by starting both at the same time. So usually uh, you don't need to apply. When you apply to the OD program, you will start the OD program. And as you're in maybe your first semester, you'll see how much time you have, see if it's something that you really want to do. And you'll apply, you know, that fall or winter to then start um, generally over the summer or the next year. Gotcha. And is it normally like if you want to apply, is there any specific prereqs or requirements that you have to meet before you can um, get into that program? Yeah, good question. The The programs have pretty much the same prereqs as the OD program. So you don't have to have any additional coursework. Um, and the application, if you are already a student in the Doctor of Optometry program uh, is, is different than if you are just applying for those programs independently. Um, it's a little bit shorter because you're already with us. Um, so we have all of your records as well from your first application. So the, the application process to the master's programs is usually fairly quick. Gotcha. Awesome. So when do students begin seeing patients in the clinic um, in the regular OD program? Yeah, good question. Uh, the, you know, first year students definitely start um, seeing patients. They're generally observing and doing screenings with some of the clubs and organizations on campus and with their outreach, with our outreach program. So students at Pacific are required to participate in a couple of outreach events per year. So first year students can get their feet wet kind of as much as they want, depending on um, you know, what organizations they belong to and how much outreach they wanna do. Um, second year students participate in clinical observations with a um, senior intern and an attending, and then they do 
you know, pre-testing and screenings with clubs and organizations, but it's your third year um, that you, that students will be assigned to clinic on their own and then oversee second year students in the clinic. So at Pacific, our third year starts very soon after your second year ends. So just briefly, the first year you'll have um, a fall and a spring semester and you have the summer off. Second year, uh, you'll have the fall and the spring semester and then third year starts um, that summer. So you'll start to see students uh, summer, fall, and spring of your third year. Um, you spend eight hours a week in the clinic um, in your third year before you go off to your externships. Awesome. So you mentioned that a second year um, student is usually chaperoned by a third year student. So um, as a second year, what are your duties in the clinic? Yeah, it's mostly pre-testing and uh, screenings as well as observations. So you're not um, seeing patients on your own in your second year. Gotcha. But you're still assigned specific days of the week to just go to in the clinic? You're not assigned. So it's not part of the curriculum in your second year. It only becomes part of the curriculum in your third year, those eight hours a week. So second year is um, also more on an ad hoc basis. Awesome. Gotcha. Um, so how many patients do students typically see by the end of their program? Just a roughly estimated number. Yeah, um, we estimate it more in terms of uh, clinic hours rather than clinic patients, because depending on where you are um, in your fourth year rotations and depending on which clinics you're in in your third year, that can vary a little bit. So um, looking at third and fourth year, um, so that's ignoring any time as an assistant or an outreach, students have 53 credit hours of clinic, which is 2000 hours of clinic um, at least. So a lot of opportunity to see patients. Yeah, uh, <laughs> a lot of hours. That's a lot of hours, yes. Awesome. So you mentioned a little bit about um, Forest Grove and um, what kind of involvement students have in the community. Um, so what is the patient population like um, in Forest Grove? Yeah, it's really interesting because we, so at Pacific, we have six different clinics. So the really great thing I think about all of our clinics is that they do have slightly different patient populations. So our Forest Grove Clinic, which is the clinic that's in the College of Optometry on campus, and our Portland Downtown Clinic are probably our two biggest. And then we have uh, clinics in Cornelius, Hillsborough, and Beaverton. So those are cities in between Forest Grove and Portland. Um, we also do some work with the Washington School of the Blind, and then we have our IVAN. So depending at which clinic you're at, the patient population will be different. Forest Grove um, is a small town. There's about 20 to 25,000 people who live there. Um, we give free eye care to all Pacific students and um, members of the Pacific community. So a lot of times you will be um, treating members and, and students at Pacific as well as those in the community. Um, our downtown location in Portland the patient population varies widely, um, more because it is a you know, fairly large city. So 
Um, you know, you might have one patient come in who's a big executive of a, a company, and then the next patient that comes in might not have a permanent home. So you um, really get a wide variety. Um, and then the Cornelius Clinic, which is um, not too far from Forest Grove, about 10 minutes away. Our Cornelius Clinic, a lot of the patients are um, primarily Spanish speaking. So we do have translators and interpreters on site. Um, so you don't need to know Spanish. Um, we do have a Spanish for optometrists elective if you would like to learn Spanish. Um, yeah. But I think the really nice thing about having a variety of clinics is that they do, you know, you get a very varied uh, clinic experience with different patient populations even before you go off to your fourth year. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so next question here, we've kind of touched on um, all throughout the episode um, with the involvement and the IVAN. Um, but how are students involved on campus when they're not in class? So what kind of clubs um, does Pacific have and what kind of volunteer um, opportunities do students get to do um, during their time at Pacific? Yeah, we have a lot of clubs here at Pacific. So uh, we generally advise first year students not to get overwhelmed and sign up for everything because it's a lot. Mm -hmm. um, we have a, you know, we have a lot of optometric focus clubs. So, you know, we have our probably most popular one is Amigos, which is our um, international, um, you know, optometric care service organization that's student run. Um, we have other more fo focused clubs like a sports vision club. We have a Canadian uh, student association for, cause we have a decent number of Canadian students at Pacific. Um, and then we have a bunch of organizations um, related to optometry within um, the our Pacific um, clubs and organizations. Students then also do a lot of stuff outside of optometry. Oregon is uh, a great place to explore. So students sometimes will take advantage of outdoor pursuits and go on trips to other places in Oregon, or they will, um, just join up in groups and take trips out to the coast or to go hiking or um, to do some things on the weekends. Awesome, and just out of curiosity, um, what's the percentage of out-of-state students um, at Pacific? Yeah, good question. We have, um, most of our students are out-of-state. Pacific is a private institution uh, so we have about 95 students starting every year, and I would say about 85% are out of state, um, 85 to 90. Um, every year we have around 20 Canadian students start in the program as well. Awesome. Okay, so the next question here is kind of a sensitive topic, but I'm just going to, we're going to address it. So when you start out in optometry school, obviously um, your intent is to do great and failure is something that no one ever anticipates, um, obviously, but it could happen and it's bound to happen. So what is the remediation process like at Pacific if that were to be the case? Yeah, I think the most 
important part, even before you get to the failure, is the prevention of that happening. Mm-hmm. Um, so we that's huge for us because we don't want to see our students fail. Um, you know, before they come to Pacific, even before they arrive on campus, we match them up with a big sibling in the program who is an upperclassman who, you know, helps serve as their student mentor. We set them up with a faculty mentor. Um, We think it's really important for them to have people to talk to. We have a um, student services, a staff member who works with the College of Optometry students as well. So uh, if they, if a student is not doing uh, well in their classes or um, in their first year after every exam, if they Um, do not pass the exam, they receive a letter letting them know, um, and then we will meet with them to see if, you know, what they need, if anything's going on, how can we help them. Um, So we do this for every class after every exam in your first year, because we think it's really important to help students before they get to that point of, you know, possibly failing a class or multiple classes. If they uh, do fail a class or multiple classes, then we go into remediation. Um, You know, if you uh, are within a certain percentage of passing, you uh, can take a comprehensive exam Mm -hmm. after the class finishes. And if you um, successfully pass that exam, that indicates that you know the coursework so you can move on. Um, if there are um, numerous classes that you're not successful in or, or far below the average, we'll go into academic review. So um, the students will meet with our um, academic program and standards committee uh, to see what the best, course of op- the best course of action is in order to proceed. So, um, you know, we, and we do involve students in that process. It's not like the committee will make decisions about the student's future without the student being involved. So, um, you know, we do understand that things happen, but the key for us is just to keep track of students' um, performance as much as we can. And sometimes, you know, it's, they might think that we're over communicating a little bit, but we think it's important to um, keep students on track early so that it doesn't get to that point. Yeah, I think over-communicating is better than miscommunication, so um, it might seem, you know, a bit of an overkill, but in the case of, you know, a failure or like an unexpected situation in a student's personal life, um, it's good to know that they have that kind of support from their faculty and their um, also staff, yeah. Exactly. All right, so... um, How do you prepare your students for national boards? Is there a specific course that you guys do um, or how how does that work? Yeah, um, so our students will get a a reading week before national boards where they don't have, um, you know, uh, assigned clinic hours and they don't have um, lectures or labs. Teachers and faculty will also offer um, review sessions often, depending on uh, what subject they're um, lecturing on. So a lot of the faculty will offer those. 
Um, but other than that, we don't have a, um, you know, strict course that we offer. We don't teach to the boards. Um, our students are great students and that's why um, you know, I think that they are so successful on the boards, but they are given time before the boards um, to prepare. And then a lot of times the faculty will have review sessions. Gotcha. All right. So um, for externships during your fourth year, um, do you have to do them in Oregon or the West Coast or what states or areas that you are allowed to do your externships in? Yeah, most students don't do them in Oregon. So we do have sites in Oregon and uh, students can do one of their four rotations at our Forest Grove Clinic if they would like to. But most of our students um, go elsewhere. We have sites pretty much all over the US. So um, West Coast, we have you know Southern, uh, Midwest, Northeast, Southeast. And then we also have externships in Canada, Germany, and Japan. Um, obviously, with the current pandemic, the um, international externships were put on pause this year. We're hoping to resume those. But we have, I believe last year, we had about 130 different clinic sites all over the US and then the international ones. So there is definitely plenty of choice for the students, depending on where they would like to go. That's pretty unique. I don't think I've ever heard any program have um, international sites, especially Germany. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, the ones in Germany and Japan are on a military basis. So you don't need to speak German or Japanese to go over there. Um, they'll be, you'll be working on bases, but it's a really good opportunity to, you know, go somewhere else and experience a different country for a couple of months and then come back to the States. Yeah, absolutely. And with that, um, do you guys um, provide housing for the student or do they have to navigate that on their own? Yeah, for the externships, we do not provide housing. Students uh, do figure that out on their own. A lot of times what students will do is you know, if it's a site that we have all four, we have students going to from all four rotations, sometimes they'll rent an apartment or rent a house. And then, you know, the people who are leaving the first rotation will pass it on to the people coming in for the second rotation. And they kind of work it out like that. Um, the same thing happens with transportation often. Um, if people are, you know, renting cars and things like that. So students do, uh, sort out their accommodation on their own, but they generally work together <laughs> to try to make things um, as as easy and kind of economical and smooth as possible for anyone else who's going to that rotation. Awesome. So we're um, approaching our last question here. So Caitlin, again, thank you so much for your time. Um, so in closing, um, what would be your um, advice to prospective students that are interested in attending Pacific. Um, maybe they're in their last year of undergrad or they're just exploring their options. What would be one piece of advice to kind of help them, you know, dig deeper and explore um, their passion? Yeah, good question. I think 
one of our biggest strengths at Pacific is our students. And we have um, a number of students in the first, second, and third years who serve as student ambassadors for us. Um, their information is all on our website, uh, along with a little bio about them. So you can see you know, where they're coming from geographically, what they majored in, what their interests are. Um, and I always recommend that prospective students contact an ambassador just because they have been in your shoes. They have, um, you know, gone through the application process before. They're currently in the program, so they can speak to um, their experience with it. So I think contacting a student ambassador is a really great thing to do if you just want to know more from the student perspective. And then if you have questions, definitely uh, reach out to me in admissions. I know sometimes prerequisite courses can be a bit confusing and the application process can get overwhelming. So I do always encourage people to be in touch with me um, because the last thing we want to do is add, you know, more stress to an already, um, you know, fairly lengthy application process. So, you know, definitely don't hesitate to ask questions and then, um, you know, do your research. The, the website is great. Um, ASCO has great information on all of the programs. Um, and um, yeah, just try to prepare as much as you can, um, you know, over time so that you're not trying to finish up your coursework, take your OAT and submit your application all within the same month and you feel a time crunch. So definitely start early. Awesome. Well, Caitlin, thank you again. Um, this is a pleasure. Thank you so much. So that is all for this week's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and got to learn a little bit more about the optometry program at Pacific. If you want to keep up with the podcast and all the new episodes, make sure to follow us on Instagram at keepin.it.od. And lastly, if you or someone that you know would like to collaborate on an episode, make sure to email me at keepinitodpodcast, all one word, at hotmail.com, put collaboration in the subject line so it doesn't get lost in my inbox, and I'll get back to you as soon as I see it. And I'll see you right back here next week. We're going to be back to the Day in the Life series, and as always, we'll be keeping it OD. Thank you, guys.